Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. I was going to preach today. I bet you hear that a lot from me. I was going to preach on 1 Peter 5. But uh, God's got a different word for us. There's no doubt about it. As a matter of fact, word got to me through my wife, through uh, one of the employees at CIT for me to take a look at Psalm 107. And Of course, I've probably read it before and just not thought much about it. I thought a lot about it this week because when I read it, man, it put both arms around me. And I realized... I mean, if you could just put a a sermon or a passage of Scripture to go with the songs you just heard, every one of them, it'd be Psalm 107. We're going to begin in verse 1. We'll read the whole psalm. It is basically a doxology of book number 5 of the Psalms. Now you say, I thought we had one book. We do in our Bible, but the Jews in the original Hebrew Bible broke the Psalms into five books. We are entering here with Psalm 107. We are starting into the final section. There are 44 of these. uh, uh, 15 of them are David. One of them was written by Solomon, and 28 of them, including the one we're reading today, is anonymous. So we're not sure who wrote it. But it is somewhat of a different kind of message. And this is what I hope today. I hope Psalm 107, if you forget everything I say, I hope Psalm 107 becomes very near and dear to your heart. It's a great word to sit down and read sometimes. Let's read it together. I'll make some comments as we go along. It's too important to miss any part of it. He starts out with, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. You will notice that it will end that way as well. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those that have been redeemed, those that have been bought out of slavery would have been the word for redeem, or those who were in a hard situation that only God had an answer for, and God gave the answer and brought them out of that. He said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That would be all of you here, and especially me. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary, And gathered from the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. You can't live anywhere else. So he's got you. He breaks this down into four groups. He's going to talk about, let's look at four groups of people that God has redeemed. I promise you, you'll find yourself in one of them or all of them. The first one he said... They wandered in the wilderness. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way into or to an inhabited city. And they were hungry and thirsty and their soul fainted within them. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distress. We, we don't know 
who in particular he might be referring to. Some say this is the children of Israel or Judah coming back out of Babylon, but we don't know that for sure. It doesn't matter. He's given us an example of our own lives. He said sometimes we're, we're in a desert and we're lost. We've lost our way. Verse 7, and he led them also by a straight way or a flat path to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirst or the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. The second group are imprisoned. He said, There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. You'll notice that groups two and three cause their own problems, cause their own issues. Therefore, he humbled their heart with labor. Oh, they stumbled. And there was none to help. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distress. It was their fault. But if you're like me, most of the stuff in your life that you need God to help you with, well, it is our fault. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart and Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has uh, shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. The second group, they're sick. But they were fools, he says, how they got there. Because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities, they were afflicted. They got so sick, he says, their soul abhorred any kind of food they couldn't even eat. And they drew near to the gates of death. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders To the sons of men, let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. And then the fourth and last group. He said, there are those who go out to the sea in ships who do business in great waters. One translation says, those who do business on the deep. I'd say that'd be anybody, especially Christians living in this world. You do business. We do business on the deep. A lot can happen. They do business on the deep. They have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. And they rose up to the heavens, and then they went down to the depths. And their soul melted away in their misery. And they reeled and staggered like drunken men. And... They were at their wit's end. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still. So that the waves of the sea were hushed. And then they were glad because they were quiet. 
So he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. And let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. He changes rivers. Now this section here is the final section. And this is where he says, you want to know why God can do all of these things? He tells us. He closes the psalm with this. He can do it because, first of all, he changes rivers into a wilderness. He can change springs of water into a thirsty ground, or he can take a fruitful land and turn it into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who dwell in it. Or he can change a wilderness into a pool of water. In a dry land into springs of water. And there he makes the hungry to dwell so that they may establish an inhabited city. And sow fields and plant vineyards and gather fruitful a fruitful harvest. Also he blesses them and they multiply greatly. And he does not let their cattle decrease. And when they are diminished and bowed down through oppression. Yeah, there's still wicked people in this world. God knows that. Through oppression and misery and sorrow, he pours contempt upon princes and makes them wander in pathless waste. But he sets the needy securely on high, away from affliction. And he makes his families like a flock. The upright see it, and they are glad. But now the unrighteousness, or the unrighteous, they just shut their mouths, have nothing to say. Lastly, who is wise? Let him give heed to these things and consider the loving kindness of the Lord. I want to share with you a word today entitled Disappointment and Deliverance. I won't have to spend a lot of time, I'm guessing, telling you what disappointment is, we all know. We find it in life. It really hits hard that day in life. Uh, I don't know how old you were when it happened, but it happens to all of us when you figure out life doesn't look like the brochure you got. Uh, it's just, and boy, this thing is just is not at all like I thought it would be, and 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 there are other things in life that are the same way. Getting to get out on your own. When that one hits you like a sledgehammer, that, that's a reckoning day. I see heads doing this. I see younger heads who've yet to nod, and I understand one day you will. You'll understand it. And look, I'm not jumping on you. I'm glad I still want to hear about the fish tie. But what I'm saying is we don't know. We all, we, are all, we, we all travel like that. We all think, if I just finish my degree, that's it, man. I'm going to walk out of there and, and sling that old mortarboard out, and, and buddy, that's it. I, I'll have my life together. And it'll, you find out that you walk right back into the same world you walked in, uh, in out of. It, it is the same thing. And, and things don't change like we wish they would. And then there are other things that, boy, they just catch us out of nowhere. You just thought with all your heart you had the best wife, best husband in the world, great marriage, and something happens one day that indicates, no, it's not so good. Ah, my heart breaks for, 
folks in those situations. But we all deal with disappointments. Let's look at, first of all, the conditions for disappointment. He's got four here that he listed. Let's, let's talk briefly about them. Just giving a definition or an explanation. Because he says this first group, he said you could be in this group. Uh, he says you might be one of those. If you're not, you may, will, may, may be one day. You might just be lost right now. And, and it's not a like lost or saved thing here. It's not what he's talking about. In verse 4, these were just people who wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. And they were looking for an inhabited city, but they couldn't find it. And they stayed out there so long until they finally got to the point that they were thirsting and dying. And they just had nowhere to turn. And, 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 and I can tell you, sometimes when you get lost, you, you, you just it seems like you have no idea which way to turn. That one of the worst feelings in the world is uncertainty. And, and it seems like sometimes we can get in situations that we just have no idea what to do. We are at our wits end. We've tried everything that was supposed to work and it didn't. And, and um, I don't know if you're like me. If I'm driving a car and I'm lost, I drive faster. I, I don't know why. It's just uh, I think, well, who, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to get there before everybody else. It's like a panic mode. You know you're out of kilter. You know you don't know what you're doing. You're just driving. You don't know which direction you're going in at all. I've, I've hunted a lot in my life. And, and boy, it's uh, <laughs> there's a few times, especially when you'd track an old deer and you'd uh, track him down through the woods. And, man, he'd be way off somewhere. And you finally get there and you're following that little blood trail. And I hope this is not offending anybody. But you get down there and then you find your deer. And then you get ready to start back. Well, the guy with you goes this way, and you're like, no. And then you realize neither one of you know where you are. And that's when you go back and try to find that blood trail <laughs> so you can get out of those woods. And it's so amazing sometimes. You can be right next to the house. As a matter of fact, a couple of the worst times I've ever been lost, I was hunting right near wherever it was that I lived. I just wasn't familiar with it. And at night, everything looks different. And sometimes I can tell you, in life, when you're walking and it gets dark, everything looks different. You totally lose your composure and, and, and your sense of direction. It, it can happen to anybody. Secondly, he says, some are imprisoned. This could represent some of us here. He said... There are those that dwell in, in, in darkness. They, they just can't see any way out whatsoever. And, and in the shadow of death, death is always near and dear to them. They're prisoners, he says, in misery and in chains. They hate their life. And, and, and they hate where they are in life. But they ha feel like there is no possibility of changing anything. I, I watch sometimes these... Uh, shows these uh, documentaries on prison life and these uh, big, huge facilities where uh, I'm amazed at all of the different little things that they, they learn to do in there. Some of them are serving two life sentences. I actually saw where one guy had been given over a thousand years. It's amazing. So, no way out. 
So they just make a life in there. And so whatever it is they do, they make some craft. They might work in the wood shop. They might try to learn to draw whatever. They got to try to make life work because they know every day when the sun goes down behind that wall that I am in a place where I cannot escape. And sometimes I'm not talking about just that kind of prison. There are tons of other prisons too. It might be worry. It might be fear. It might be anxiety. It might be something in your life that, that, that just has absolutely got a grip on you. It could be alcoholism. It could be opioids. It could be whatever it is. But you realize and know that I can try to make the best of it. I, I, can, I, I can just tell people, well, I'm, I'm a social prisoner. You know, I, I could leave any time I want. But you know better. You can't. You can't get out. You are absolutely chained and bound like these people are. We had 80-something thousand people die last year from, from opioid overdose. And, and I know we had 600-something thousand, I think, died from COVID. But COVID, I can tell you, for the most part, will come and go. But opioids will continue to get worse because it is a sickness that we should have been going after just like we've been going after COVID. We should have had special panels and government councils. And, and if we wanted to throw money at something, we got some other issues. I'm not saying it wasn't a bad issue, but I can tell you there have been people in America that have been sick and dying for a long, long time. You may be going, Pastor, I'm not on any of those. But some bad memories, some childhood experiences some unforgiveness. I got some things in my heart. They own me. And I've just give up on ever escaping. I've decided to just try to figure out how to sit here in my little prison cell and make the best of it. Then there was the sick. They abhorred all kinds of food. They were so sick. Uh says they drew near to the gates of death, they almost died. Sickness, and of course we're going to find out these people cause theirs. We'll look at that in a second. But Boy, there's nothing that will quite blow the dross away like a bad report from a doctor. That'll make a lot of things get in perspective fast. It, it just kind of just... It, it just will. And sickness is one of those things. And I know some of you are struggling with that. And, 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 and I am too some. But I'm, I'm just telling you, uh, boy, uh, it's sickness. Jesus knew it was a big deal. He knew it was a temporal thing. He knows one day we're going to be with him and we won't deal with it anymore. And I know I have probably downplayed the healing ministry of Jesus because so many make so much of it and they make that out to be worse than our sin. But, but I can tell you, 26 miracles of healing are listed in the Gospels that Jesus did. We don't know how many more he did that we know nothing about. The first person he healed, I, I think it may be significant, I don't know. But the first recorded healing we have that Jesus did was a man that was in paralysis. Maybe you'd say today, boy, I've got that. I'm a mental, spiritual, quadriplegic. I can't help myself or anyone else. I got issues that have basically paralyzed me. I have fears. 
that have a death grip on me. I, I, whatever it might be, I can tell you there are a lot of ways to be sick. The psalmist, do you see what he's doing? He's saying this could be anybody. He said, let me just give you four examples. He goes on to talk about the last one, those in the storm. He says, those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, man. Storms don't last forever, but they don't have to. They don't have to. Sometimes they leave a swath right through the middle of your life like, boy, you've never seen, like you never imagined. Sometimes they come up fast. They come up out of nowhere. Sometimes you have warnings. Sometimes you don't. But in this life, there are storms that come your way. And I know some of you. I've seen you walk through them. And, and boy, difficult. I mean, just absolutely, they sometimes can be incredibly devastating. And as the four conditions he names, let's look at the causes of these four conditions. We'll go right back and look, because he lists them. Let's look at the loss. He says, they were searching and wandering in the wilderness. They were out in a place called the wilderness, and he says it was a desert place. That's almost redundant. I've never seen a wilderness that, that wasn't somewhat a, a desert place, uh, not like the ones they have. I've been in the one that he's talked about and walked around in it. I know some of, some of you have. And it's a desert place. It, and nothing grows out there. And, and it's hot and, and the daytime cold at night. But it has very little to offer. And I can tell you, I, I know that there are a lot of people in our world right now that, that, that they are going through that. Some in our churches, some in this church right here. You just might be at that place in life that, boy, you just can't find your way. And life is not helping one bit in the world. Maybe the last one good thing you had, that job that paid well or whatever, maybe it kind of came to naught. Or, or maybe you put all of your uh, focus on your family and all of that, and, and that's wonderful. And, and what could be wrong with that? But I can tell you when it comes to disaster and destruction, and even death, some of you know, oh, way better than I do, that it can strike there too. Boy, this life can be a desert. Some wander around lost. They're looking for something. That's why this group, he said, they were out there. They were looking for something. Some people are looking for something, they just never find it. Matter of fact, I'm not sure if they even know anymore what they're looking for. At one time, it was a good marriage, but after three of them, they decided, well, that might not be the answer. They might still be on that trek, but maybe not. Maybe they finally figured out not, a person's not going to be my answer. Some are in careers. They just bury themselves in it. They don't have time for church. They don't have time for God. They went off to school their freshman year and Religions of the World 101 helped them to see how dumb all of us were back home. And boy, they just lit right on out into the middle of secularism and, and uh, they found their measure of comfort in, in biology and, and fatalism and all of that in this world that we have really no purpose. And they got a hold of that sense of freedom and a six pack and boy, they hadn't looked back since. And I can tell you the day will come they'll figure out that's a desert. I'm needing things I can't find out here. I can't find out here because I, 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 I'm in a desert. I, I look at these people today that 
this, this sexual dysphoria, this, this transgenderism and all of that, this pushing the limits, homosexuality and all of that, it, it, it just breaks my heart because I think what a lot of those people, and I know there are people that really struggle with sexual issues. I got that. I, I don't doubt that a bit in the world, and I'd love to be able to help them if possible. But most of the time, and this is where Satan really does his work, he puts us in a place where we can't get in touch with those who can help us. But he surrounds those people with folks that says, yes, you're okay, and and and, and those guilt feelings, that's because you're a preacher back home, and and you need to get away from all that. Forget all of that mess. And, and you need to stand up and, and be your own God and decide your own life and all of that. I think a lot of those people are simply lost. They're just looking for something they hadn't found. The psalmist says there was a group like that. I'd say that's a pretty big group. He said they had to cry out to God. Well, I can tell you this before I move on. Christians can be overwhelmed too. Give me a minute. I don't know. I, I, when I look back on 2020, I'm going to be one of those few that probably is not going to think of COVID. I had a lot of other stuff going on. And when I look back, it's incredible. I had people looking at me going, that's incredible. I didn't think so. There was more coming. <laughs> In August, because of a medical error that it happened, I, I came probably dangerously close to a stroke. I had no idea. I, I can't even spell embolism. But I had a kidney stone, got an IV put in my arm, went for a CT scan, got an air bubble in my vein, it went to my heart. And the doctor comes in and says, I got good news and bad news. The good news is you got a kidney stone. It'll pass. I've had them before. I was like, to start with, you know when a kidney stone is the good news. You just, uh, with bated breath, are waiting on the next one. He says, we have an air embolism that we got in your vein. We've already called an ambulance. We can't deal with it here. You either have to go to Asheville or Spartanburg. Not a problem. I made it through that like bonkers. <laughs> I really did. And then in uh, November, of course, November 24th, I have an accident that just, of course, I lost my arm. Had a hunting accident in a deer stand. Rifle went off, shot my arm off. Came very close to dying. Never just, I mean, I'm not saying it didn't concern me. It did. I got to the place at one time I really thought I was leaving this world and all of that. 
Uh, it was hard on me. I've had days since then that I have just looked at my arm and cried. Uh, the thing I miss most is, uh, uh, or one of the things I miss most is right over here. But I got to it. I was actually, because I, I, I do struggle with uh, some, some serious anxiety uh, attacks from time to time. I was so proud I was, got through all of that. You know, I wouldn't shut up about it. It made every sermon. But I was like, hey, God's got this. I never felt more in my life like God was with me. And, and I, it, I mean, my ball cap went up in the air. It was so close to my head. It missed. How do you miss this head? I lost my right hand. I got the dumbest left hand in the world. It's refusing training, too. And then this week, just was overwhelming. My bucket finally got to the top. I just, I look back on this year and I'm like, Lord, what's next? Uh, but I got good news. I know some of you know, if you don't know, whatever, but I just would tell you quickly, but I had some tests and I had a tumor and it is cancer, but it's, the good news is uh, it's, they can't find anything anywhere else and it's very operable and in a couple of weeks we'll get it out and it'll be gone and hopefully we'll never have that again. So when you see me up here today, I don't want you to think that, oh man, he's scared to death. I have been some. I mean, I can't tell you how many times this week a doctor said, oh, just looking at something. You know how they go. Hmm. I'm like, hmm. Needed a test. Oh man, the test that showed that it has gone nowhere. It was isolated and we can get it. We didn't get to do it till the next day. That day was four weeks long. Poor old Frank Mooring. He was the one that got to look at me and say, saw nothing else. I tackled him. I wrapped my arms around him. I had some church in the CT room. But I think with all of the medical procedures, I've drank so much stuff this week that makes you don't supposed to be able to see everything. I got a glow in the dark by now. And it was good. And I praise the Lord. And I know you did. And I know you prayed for it. But my bucket got full. I just, it was more than I could handle this time. Three in a row, just too close together. I, 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 I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I tell you this, I hope you don't think I'm a quack when you leave here, but 
I don't know that we don't sometimes give Satan too much credit. I, I don't think he can cause things that God doesn't allow him to cause because he's not omnipotent. God's in control of that. But I remember God telling Peter, I'm going to let Satan sift you. But I prayed for you and you'll get through it. But man, I don't just look at this as a, as a me issue. I, I look at it, man, our church... I'm so excited about what God is doing. Man, look around this place. It is so incredible. I believe that, man, hell itself has declared war. And I'm not imported at all, but I know Satan knows that if I can get him, he's the one that brings the word, boy. If I can nail him. If I, I don't have to kill him, but if I can get him so wrapped up in this and that to where he worries all the time and he's sick all the time or whatever, and or I, whatever it is, if he's preoccupied, I, I can just tell you, church, I say, church family, let's stay on our knees and cry out. They did it four times here to God and say, God, we are we are praying right now to you and we ask you, Lord, to just put a stop to this and we give our church to you and we ask you to take care of our pastors and take care of our church and, and just tell the devil to go on back to hell where he came from. Now don't go home and say, Mike finally told us today the devil shot him. No, I wouldn't have been as embarrassed. But I tell you what he does. He takes things like this that could happen to anybody, sure. And he discourages you to death. He grinds it in your gut. He makes you feel like that third time's a charm. You're not going to get away from this one. You won't make it. Boy, I tell you what, I know it had to tick him off this morning. You're one of the greatest blessings, and I think he's on the seat team somewhere. Uh, so I don't see him sitting here, but, and you know what's a blessing. I wasn't going to tell you this, but when we lined up this morning to pray in the office, the doctor that's been working on me all week, he was in that circle with us. Man, that's so awesome. <laughs> you know how cool that is? Oh, hallelujah. I praise the Lord because God is good even in those times. The imprisoned, let's look at them. They're there because he says they were fools and they were rebellious. They had rebelled against the words of God. It spurned the most the counsel of the Most High. This was their fault. They were idiots. They were worse than idiots. An idiot is a person that doesn't know. A fool is a person that doesn't know, but doesn't know he doesn't know. So he just barrels on with life. It says they ignored his counsel. They rebelled against the words of God, just like people do nowadays. Therefore he humbled their heart with labor and they stumbled and there was nobody there 
to help. Maybe somebody tried, but they just couldn't. They were in prison. They were in prison. I see people all the time. People try to help them, but you can't. You're like trying to pull them through bars. You can't get them out of there, can you? You want to so badly because you love them with all your heart, but they're in prison. And they can't get out. It's impossible. And you would think almost with a lot of people's ideas about God that with this group, he said, yeah, I just let them die. Because they caused their own problems. But no. Verse 13 says, they cried out to the Lord. In their trouble. And he saved them out of their distress. The sick, they were foolish too. He says, they were foolish and rebellious and sinful. And it finally made them so sick that they couldn't even eat. They got to the point they could no longer eat. Man, fools will fight for the right to run their own life. They live in denial. They make excuses. And they refuse counsel. They will avoid anybody. They don't want anybody walking up to them once a week and saying, Hey, how you doing this week with, you know... Such and such. Because they never talk about such and such. They got their own idea about such and such. They don't see it as a problem. They've already put enough lipstick on that pig that they can just about live with it. But no, they're sick. They're sick and it will eventually kill them. He says they got so sick they could not even eat. He says, but yep, even though they caused it, He said they cried out to the Lord. And it says, I like this in verse 20, He sent His word and healed them. That that was the prescription He gave them. The thing they had hated. The thing they didn't want to hear. It's a reason they quit church. They kept hearing it preached. That's why them and their wife or their husband couldn't get along. She kept trying to preach to him and and, and our, our... Or vice versa. Most of the time, it's the woman doing the preaching, I find, these days. But I can just tell you, it's like uh, the thing that they never wanted to hear again. The thing that aggravated them. That was the exact thing that finally cured them. And then those who were in the storm, what caused that? Well, they were in a dangerous place. We live where storms can happen often, suddenly, and severely, friend. We live in a place like that that is very dangerous. So those are these four conditions and four causes for disappointment. Before the hour goes away, let's look at, though, the second part, our deliverer. Three things. One, his concern. Look at it in all of these cases. In verse 6, 13, 19, 28. Every group, same thing. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Must be like us. They waited till they were in trouble. Then they cried. I never have got that crying out thing. I mean, I... (laughs) I'm hard-headed sometimes. Sometimes I wait till I've made such a big mess of it, I I don't even know how God's going to fix it. Then they cried. 
And sometimes old Satan will get a hold of you and tell you it was too late now. You should have been praying last year about that. Man, I want to tell you, with a God who's sovereign, it's never too late. It's never too late. Then they cry out. Boy, I just put a list here together of people who cried out to God in the Word of God. Elijah cried out, and God revived a little dead child. Jehoshaphat cried out, and God delivered him from death. Hezekiah cried out, and God gave him a victory. I love that one. That's when Sennacherib and his army came up against Hezekiah, surrounded the walls and told him, this time tomorrow we're coming right through the front door. We've got 250,000, I believe it is. I forgot how many it was, but it was a bunch of them. And, and he was from Assyria, and he was a war general. And he said, we're coming in tomorrow, and we're going to take this place. And old Sennacherib got up the next morning, and doctor, I'm paraphrasing now, wherever it is you're sitting, but... Uh, uh, I, inside joke, but but I'll paraphrase this. Old Sennacherib got up the next morning and whipped out his sword and said, "Let's go!" And nobody moved because during the not dark of night, God sent His angel, the one you don't want to see, the death angel, and He killed every one of them. Nobody moved. That's a miracle. That's a miracle from God. Hezekiah was outnumbered, outgunned, out everything. But he had God and cried out to him. Jesus' disciples cried out to him in a storm and Jesus calmed the sea. One more blind Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus and he restored his sight. So you see people in the word of God that are like these listed in Psalm 107. They cried out in God. Listen to them. He heard their prayers. I love Psalm 141, verse 2. May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. And another great word about how God hears our prayers. We might not, we might not realize it, but I love in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, it says that when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb each one of them holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. And in those golden bowls full of incense, do you know what was in them? The prayers of the saints. Isn't that amazing? The prayers of the saints get delivered to God. Not like by DoorDash where they throw it at the front steps. They take your prayers to him in golden bowls. If I ever received something in a golden bowl, I'd know already that's pretty important. So God, you mean when I should know better than the fear, and I do, and I cry to you, you mean they deliver that prayer to you in a golden bowl? You mean that's that important to you? I feel like I'm just talking to the ceiling. Sometimes I don't know if you hear me or not. Oh, man, I thought about this and then we'll move on to our next point. But children cry out to parents. See, we're his children. 
And often a child's fears may be completely unrealistic. When your child is crying down the hall in the middle of the night screaming, hollering for you to come, do you lie there in the bed and go, I done told them there's not any ghost in the closet. That's a great opportunity, isn't it, dads? You go down the hall and you go, there might be. We're going in. And old dad's going to clean them out. Dad will look under that bed. Oh, you know better than all of that. There's so many things that, as a matter of fact, I don't know of anything you and I could worry about that would make God go, yeah, boy, that is bad. What would be tough for him? You've never had one. What would be something that would stagger him? Make him reposition himself on the throne and go, hmm, I'm not sure what to do. You've never seen it. And you never will. Oh, he's awesome. His control. We have his compassion or his concern and his control. He changes rivers, verse 33, into a wilderness and springs of water into thirsty ground. He can take good land, turn it into bad, bad land, turn it into good, bad marriages, make them good. He can take a life that's worthless and make it valuable. God can do things that we could never imagine when there is no way he can make a way. He can make a way. When there's no possibility, he, he can make, make it possible. And then last of all, as we close, his compassion. Verse 43, the psalm ends like it started. And consider the loving kindness of the Lord. Man, Psalm 107 tells us sometimes you may cause your own problems. But I can tell you something. If God only answered our prayers about things we didn't cause, he wouldn't have to answer many for me. We cause problems for ourselves sometimes. We're short-sighted. We're sheep. That's what he called us. Remember? He didn't give us one of those real sophisticated animals. No. He gave us sheep. Sheep can just start eating and start walking, and they do. And they just eat and walk. I understand that, except for the walking part. They just eat and walk and eat and walk. And they just, and you know what? Then they raise their head up and look around, and they have no clue where they are. That's what God called us. What was you thinking he was expecting out of you, for you to be an atomic scientist? Oh, I know I'm dumb. God's like, well, I told you that. What did I call you? You're sheep. You're helpless. Coyote can live out there in the world. Boy, I want to tell you something. He's one of the toughest creatures on the planet. He can outlive a million sheep and eat half of them on the way. Not a sheep. They're dumb. We would be hopeless. We would be absolutely hopeless I think about this when it comes to praising God and thanking God 
and remembering his loving kindness. In the gospel of Luke, Jesus was invited by a Pharisee to come to his house. Jesus went and a woman showed up. She had an alabaster jar of a very expensive perfume. And she broke it. Broke it open. She didn't have like a little sprayer on it where you give like a little spritz of it. No. There was no possibility of recovery for one drop of it. That's how God wants us to come worship Him. Pour it all out and don't look for it back. Just give it to me. That's what she did. She was crying so hard. She was anointing the Lord. Man, kissing him. She washed his feet. She didn't need water. She had tears. And you know the old Pharisee, he didn't know God knew everything. So he was over whispering just out of earshot of humans. That, you know, I've invited this guy because I heard he was really like something special. But if he really was who he says he is, he would know that woman is a sinner. Wouldn't you like to be the one to tell that Pharisee, hey, guess what? He also knows you a sinner. When Jesus left the house that day. He told his disciples, told them a story about a man had loaned some money and then he forgave the debts and one had been forgiven of a tremendous amount. And he told Peter, he said, Peter, I want to tell you something. He said, which one of those do you believe probably was the most grateful and thankful? He said, I guess the one that was forgiven the most. I can tell you, man, those who've really been forgiven of the most. There's people sitting in here to, right now. I promise you, you know. If it were not for God, you wouldn't even be on this planet, would you? I mean, your life, you, you had it all crossed up. All messed up. And, and, and maybe you're not quite as radical a sinner as that. Maybe sometimes if you're not careful, you're more like the Pharisee. You're sitting around picking out who God probably ought to hang out with and who he ought to let touch him and who he ought to avoid. Boy, you really are a terrible sinner, man. Because I've done some of that in my life. I get on my high horse sometimes and I think things that are stupid like that. I want to tell you, we are sinners and we need a Savior. And he is willing to forgive us. And that's why all of us need to remember his loving kindness. Let's don't forget that. God's been good to us. And if you're here this morning and maybe you're lost, maybe you don't know Jesus and that's why you're lost. You're spiritually lost. I hope you come to know him. Maybe you're here and you know you are a born-again Christian, but life's got you spun around so many times. You're too dizzy to walk. You have no clue where to go or what to do next. 
you're totally overwhelmed. Maybe you're imprisoned by something. It might not be drugs. It could be an attitude. It could be anger. It could be selfishness, self-centeredness. What is it that keeps you from being what he wants you to be? That's a prison you might not get out of. He can help you with that. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you've done something in your life that just you've finally made yourself to the point that you, you just your death door. Spiritually, maybe physically. Maybe you're in a storm. Scared to death. I want to tell you, he can calm the waves. And he will be with you. I thank you for your prayers, church. I praise God that it looks like at this point we've got good news. I've said this so many times. You owe it to me to just shake your head and go, yeah, I bet. But I have told the Lord, man, I've been such a poor steward with my health. When this happened, it gave me a good excuse to get on the end of the couch and just sit there. And when I got that, hey, Loretta, could you bring me, when I got that working, boy, I was something. Now, that probably is not going to work after I thought about her cooking today. <laughs> I'll tell you, I had to confess I'm like these people in Psalm 107. Not the little tumor, probably, but the diabetes, the blood pressure problem sometimes, things like that. I've been a fool. I've made myself sick. I want to be healthy. Matter of fact, I said with, if I'm going to have three events like this anytime soon, I need to be healthy. Really. I'm older. I, I ask you for your prayers. I ask you to keep praying for that this thing will all go well. Everything looks fine right now. Looks like we'll be getting rid of it and be done with it, hopefully forever. But you just pray, and I appreciate your prayers, and I love you, church. And I promise as long as you're willing to stand with me, I, I, I'll be here to stand with you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at ServantsWay.com or email us at office at ServantsWay.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.